Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. My name is Jared. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is wonderful to see all of your smiling faces. It's going to be a great day. Um, I see some new visitors, some new faces, and it's just wonderful to see all of you here today. I'm excited for what God is going to speak to us today. Excuse me. We are finishing our uh, series of uh, Fueled this month, and also we're actually in the tail end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting that we have been in for the last couple of weeks. And uh, we are actually in day five right now of our seven days of fasting. It's the last um, season of fasting for us in this month. We had one day in the first week and then three days last week. And this week began on Wednesday with seven days. And so I want to encourage you, if you are participating in the fast with us in some form or fashion, first of all, I want to say uh, congratulations. This is awesome. You are, you are stepping into the heart of God by being obedient to something that is hard. Um, Secondly, I also want to say to you, if you're participating, just keep going. You know, if you have felt as though maybe you are tired or you're out of energy, or maybe even you have feel like you messed up and you kind of gave up, I would just say, you know what, let's just push through. Let's get back on the horse and keep going because God has grace for us. That's the beauty of, of Jesus is that there's, when we fall down, he's always there for us. And it's not an issue of like sin. What we're talking about is if you made a commitment to the Lord, to say, God, I want to honor you, I want to do this thing, but then you maybe felt like you couldn't or you messed up, it's okay, just keep trying, okay? So I want to encourage you with that. We will be finishing our seven days of fasting this coming Tuesday night at our sacred assembly, which we just mentioned a moment ago during our announcements. Very, very, very excited about this night. It's going to be, I believe that God is just going to speak to our hearts. Uh, He's preparing a special message for our church for 2017, and I encourage everyone to come out. Please don't let there be any excuse about why you wouldn't come. I'm believing that God is going to speak to us as we separate ourselves in front of him and ask for him to speak to us. It's going to be a powerful night. That's this Tuesday night. And then for some of us, anybody who wants to can go out afterwards and break the fast together at a local restaurant. Really excited for that as well. All right, so today we are finishing our message series that we've been through all month called Fueled. Fueled is a series about the person of the Holy Spirit. We believe in a Trinity God here at Encounter Church. That is that God, the Father who created the heavens and the earth and the entire universe, has sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to earth to bring us salvation, to reconcile all of humanity and create an opportunity to have a relationship with our God again. And then when Jesus, the Bible tells us that when Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent God, the Holy Spirit, to come to the earth and to indwell in every person who believes in the name of Jesus Christ. And so this whole series has been about trying to understand who is the Holy Spirit, who is this person, what was he sent for, why is he here? And so, so far this month, we've discovered that the Holy Spirit has been sent to us to be fuel for our spiritual engines. We've learned that everything that happens in our spiritual life starts with the Holy Spirit, that it's the catalyst uh, effect that began even the ability to communicate with our God. Then after that, we, we explored how following the leading of the Spirit in our lives results in healthy fruit that is produced, and that is the sign of a maturity in the Spirit, but it also begins to reach other people in our world because as we become more like Jesus, people are changed in that space. Last week... I told my story and the journey that I have been on the past few years in, in 
rediscovering sort of the mystical and supernatural elements of the Holy Spirit. And that journey has ranged from a wide spectrum of, of that began with frustration and confusion and uncomfortability. But over the past few years, as I've read the Bible, as I've seen what the Holy Spirit is capable of, what the Bible teaches the Holy Spirit is about, I began to search out individuals that I could trust to help me learn more, that I could ask questions. They would help me see things in a practical way. And all of this led to a missions trip last October to India. And while I was there, I saw firsthand the power of the Holy Spirit on display, like we see in the book of Acts. I saw hundreds of people give their lives to Jesus because the gospel was preached. I saw people who were healed of blindness. I saw people who couldn't walk, walk. I saw these things with my own eyes. And not only that, I experienced it. God used me to bring healing to people. There was a little boy that I prayed for who could barely walk. And after I prayed for him a couple times, he began to walk and run. It was incredible to see it. So my point to you is that over this journey that I have been on, when you see what God can do in a way that you only read about in the Bible, it changes you and it has changed my life. I am, I am forever changed. And this is what I've discovered. What, is, what I have discovered is this, and I mentioned it last week, that I believe that God is inviting us, each of us, to experience him in ways that are outside of ourselves so that we can reach those inside the world. I believe that we know, we have realized, and scripture teaches that there is no way for us to be able to do anything of substance mattering when it comes to eternity under our own strength. I cannot make someone want to know Jesus. I cannot, uh, I cannot touch a person and have them be healed. Anything that I want to happen significantly, anything that I see in scripture must be done by the power of God living within me. And I believe that he is inviting each of us to experience him in a fuller way. I believe that he wants to transform us, that he wants to propel us forward in the mission that he has given to all of us this week. And so this week, what I want to do is wrap up our series by talking about what does that life look like? What is a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit look like? Instead of it being filled with knowledge, instead of knowing about God and knowing the Bible, how can we experience a walk with him on a daily basis? What does the Bible teach us about living a life that is spirit-led? We see it all throughout scripture, right? All throughout the New Testament is live by the spirit, pray in the spirit, walk with the spirit. We see it over and over again. What does that look like? What does that look like? I want to talk about that today. I want to just real quickly remind you or revisit the illustration of chocolate milk that we brought up in the first week. Remember when you pour a glass of chocolate milk, first you pour the milk and it's just milk. And then you take the chocolate syrup and you pour it into the bottom. But unless you stir it up, unless you do something, you wouldn't even really taste the effects or see the nature of it or really even experience anything that the chocolate is there to provide. And so this illustration translates into the concept of being empowered by the Holy Spirit. We have to be active in desiring God to work in us, to use us. And we see that in Scripture, that when we point ourselves towards that, when we begin to, to stir up what God wants to do in us, in that metaphorical stirring up the chocolate milk, if you will, then and only then do we really begin to see the effects of the Spirit in our lives. We get to see His nature when we, when we acknowledge it is there, and then we begin to, to stir it up in our lives. Now, what does that life, life look like? And today, the message really is pretty simple. And there are just kind of five things that I felt like that, uh, that I see in Scripture, the kind of life that we will live. So this is what I would say is a spirit-empowered life 
or a stirred up life is a one, a life of proof, a life of proof. Acts chapter one, verses one through three. If you have your Bibles, pull them out. It'll be on the screen as well. This is what it says in the very beginning of the book of Acts. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, this is, this is Luke writing here, about everything that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. And during those 40 days after he suffered and he died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. You see, all throughout the book of Acts, what was happening was is that these Christians who were disciples, they knew Jesus in real life, most of them did. They had seen him in his ministry and then Jesus told them, I'm going away, but I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to empower you. And so he tells them to go to this place, to a room, and to wait. And we know the story in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And what we see from then on, all throughout the rest of the book of Acts, is every place that they would go to, they would have to tell the story of Jesus. But the point of the story wasn't just so that they could become Christians. The point of the story was proof that this man, Jesus, who everybody had heard had died, was actually alive again. I mean, that's the crux of our entire church theology, isn't it? That Jesus is alive. That not only did he die on a cross, but that three days later he rose from the grave. We sang that this morning. The song that we sang was the same power that rose Christ from the grave lives in us. This is the hallmark of Christianity, is believing that Jesus is alive. So what happens is that these disciples would go from town to town, and they would say, this man Jesus has changed my life. And they would go, yeah, right, whatever, that Jesus guy's dead. And they would say, no, 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 he is alive. And the disciples' life became a life of proof. They would do miracles under the power of the Holy Spirit, and that would prove to them that this man Jesus was greater than any other name. You understand, we sing these songs that say, your name is higher, your name is greater. And what we're saying is, is that we believe that Jesus is higher than any other God, that Jesus is higher, his name is more powerful, that it doesn't matter what you believe, it doesn't matter what you think you know, when you see the power of the God that I believe in on display, you have no choice but to believe it. And we see that all over the world. That's what we saw in India. We saw it when we would go to people who were, who were raised in the Hindu religion and all they knew, that's all that they knew ever, was Hindu. And there are thousands of gods. And they come and they hear the name of Jesus and they proclaim the name of Jesus. And then we say, let's pray for you. And we pray for someone and they're, and they're healed of their blindness. What do you think that person who is healed of blindness now thinks about Jesus? You see what I'm saying? The life of a spirit-empowered life is a life of proof. And there are so many ideologies in our world today, in our neighborhood, in Lawrenceville, in the East End, all over. There are people who believe many different things. People who are atheists, people who are agnostic, people who believe in spiritual Eastern religions, people who believe in, in, uh, in a variety of different things. And the only way to cut through those things is proof. It's proof. The Bible teaches that a spirit-empowered life is a life of proof. Our lives and the Holy Spirit operating in us through the gifts of the Spirit, which again we read about in 1 Corinthians 12, is proof. The second thing is, is that we're a life of power. A life of power. This is again what we see all throughout the New Testament. A life of power. Acts chapter 1, verse 7 through 8. So we go a little bit further down. And Jesus is talking here and he says, He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. So Jesus had just told his disciples, Hey guys, I'm leaving. I'll be back in a while. 
And all they could think about was, no, no, wait, 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 Jesus. They're like holding on, trying to like get him from leaving because obviously he's their anchor. He's the thing that they needed. And Jesus tells them, no, no, no. If I don't go, I can't send you the power. I can't send you the Holy Spirit. He wanted, they wanted to know, and Jesus was redirecting them to what they were to do. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's telling them that proof comes from power. You can't prove anything to anyone if you don't have the power of God living within you. Otherwise, you're just debating. You're just arguing. And this has happened to me many times in my life. I have tried to engage intellectually with individuals about faith. And, and it builds great relationships. It creates really good conversational spaces. But what I have found is that it is only the power of God that really draws a man or a woman to God. The Bible actually says that no man can come to the Father unless he draws him. So what we're trying to do as Christians, living a life of God, I want to reach people I want my neighbor, I want my friend, I want my coworker, I want my family to experience the life and the hope that I have. But every time I try to do anything, it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, maybe some of you feel that way. And part of the reason is, is because we're not living a life of, of proof or of power. We cannot prove to them that Jesus is greater than the thing that they believe in unless we have the Spirit of God acting on our behalf. And so when we say, God, I want to be used in a way that helps me to help them know Jesus, we have to open ourselves up to the power that God wants to do. If this person is a radical Hindu or they're a Muslim or they're other, any other religion, and I'm trying to tell them about Jesus, they're not going to listen to me because they believe just as strongly as I do about my faith. But if I were to, if the Spirit of God, as we see in Scripture, were to were to empower me with an ability to, to say something to them that triggers something in their heart, maybe a word of knowledge, perhaps something unique or specific that we see all the time in Scripture. If he were to empower me to do that and I speak a nugget of truth to them that there's no way I would know otherwise, what happens? Their certainty begins to melt. Do you understand? Proof comes from the power power of the Holy Spirit operating us. And all we see throughout the Bible, throughout church history, is the church doing the miracles under the power of Jesus. That's what we see. Jesus did a ton of miracles, and then he told his disciples, you guys will do even greater things than I have. And I've just been reading through Acts. I've been reading through the scriptures. And when Jesus sent out the disciples, before the Holy Spirit had come, actually, this is interesting, because Jesus was still there, so he gave them authority. It says he gave them his authority. And they go into these towns and they come back and they, it says that they raise the dead. That's crazy. That's some crazy stuff right there. Like that, that these guys went to some towns and then saw someone who was dead and somehow the power of God was used through them to raise someone from the dead, among other things. What we have seen since Jesus has ascended to heaven was he told us that we would receive power. And when we do that, if we allow the Holy Spirit to use us, this is not like a superhero. It's not like I can command it or call upon it at any time, okay? And I'll be honest with you, I'm just learning and beginning to explore what this looks like because if you heard my story last week, I've been closed off for a long time about, about that for fear of being strange or being weird or, or stepping into an area of bad theology, okay? But what I have experienced is that I can still be of sound mind. I can still be of sound theology because it's scriptural, 
and be a normal guy and still be used powerfully by God. I've seen it. It's wonderful. We have a couple in our church today because of a divine Holy Spirit encounter. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. We cannot have proof without power. And this is not a life of what we know. We're doing things under our own strength, but of power. The third thing that I see scripture that teaches about a Holy Spirit empowered life and a stirred up life, if you will, is a life of partnership. Acts chapter one, verse eight, we already read this scripture, but we'll read it in a different angle. It says, but you will receive power. Well, we know that. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there is no power without the Holy Spirit. There is no, there is nothing that we can do without the partnership of the Holy Spirit. And so if we are to live every day, we are to listen to the Holy Spirit. We're to listen to God speaking to us. Some of you like to think of the Holy Spirit as like a little angel on your shoulder. We see that image oftentimes, or your conscience is an angel and then a little devil over here. And that's not really what we're talking about. But whatever illustration or, um, or analogy or metaphor helps you in your mind, the point is, is that the Spirit of God that is alive in every Christian speaks to us. It communes with us. It comforts us. It guides us. So not only is the Holy Spirit built for power externally, first, and what we see the pattern all the time is, is he changes us inside first, always. He always dramatically affects us. He always transforms us. He always points us to Jesus. He always tells us, this is how I created life to be. And so when we listen to the Holy Spirit, we listen and we act. In our personal lives, the Holy Spirit begins the process. We talked about this a few weeks ago, what's called sanctification is the idea of that when we become a Christian, before we're ever filled with the Spirit, before we ever stir that up in our lives, the Holy Spirit is there and begins immediately the process of trying to tell us, listen, you were once this person and now you are to be this person. You were once this person addicted and held in bondage and and stuck in these bad habits and, and thinking this way, but the way of the Spirit is this way. We've seen that. And we see, as past, past messages, we've seen that the fruit of these old lifestyle are all sorts of destructive habits and behaviors, but when we choose the leading of the Spirit in our lives, when we say, when I'm watching a TV show and I feel something in my gut, say, this is, this is not what I have for you. When I obey that, I begin to move closer to who Jesus is. If I, if I continue to, to sit in that space and ignore the, vice, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, what begins to happen to me is I start to see the fruits of the things that were on the other list. Do you understand? When we, when we give our lives to Jesus and we say, Holy Spirit, speak to my life. Let me ha- open my ears to hear from you. He begins to whisper to us. In the beginning, it's mostly things like we're talking about. It's choices that we make in our personal life. But as we we build up a reputation with him of listening to him, he then begins to give us maybe tasks or direction. As we listen to the Holy Spirit, we will then see ourselves behave like other people that we see who are wise in God, people who have have, uh, exhibiting the fruit of the Holy Spirit and also are used in powerful ways. If you're wondering why God doesn't use you in powerful ways, perhaps it's because you're not listening to the Holy Spirit in the small ways at first. God always will transform us as people. He's more interested in our character than he is in the things that we do, always. And he wants to get us right with him before he will ever use us in a public space, if that makes sense, okay? So we need to listen and partner with the Holy Spirit. 
And then he begins to give us opportunities. And then he creates divine opportunities, divine appointments. I'm not saying they're mutually exclusive. Of course, God uses anybody at any time. But in general, what we see in, in the pattern of scripture and in my own life and in your life is that he will always speak to us first. And from that place in obedience, when we learn to hear his voice in the everyday life inside, he will then begin to give us things outside. And that's where we begin to be used in power and in proof. So we have a life of proof, a life of power, a life of everyday partnership. A life of proclamation is the next one. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I love this. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is talking about what he feels like in his life and what's important. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. He says, For I have decided, though while I was with you, that I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. It's almost like he's reminding them, hey, just so you know, I'm talking about that guy again. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit, and I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. You see, when we become powered, empowered by the Holy Spirit, when we stir up the things of God in our life, an urge to proclaim Jesus comes with it. When you are close to God, when he begins to change your heart, when he begins to, to, to redirect and rewrite the thought processes and your identity is overwritten and you become more like Jesus, what happens is, is you want other people to experience that. You, want, you see people not as strangers on the bus or in the streets. What happens is an urge to know Jesus and to share him with other people comes. That's what happened to me in India. When I came back from India, I saw an incredible move of God. I saw incredible power of God on display in ways that I could not explain outside of just what I see in Scripture. And I wanted more of it. I wanted that in Pittsburgh. I want that in the United States. I see so many people who are searching in what I believe are false religions, looking for things, searching for things. And what I see is if they would just know Jesus, everything would change. I look at all the things that I see that happened on, on, uh, on Friday with the inauguration and how people are responding on Facebook and social media. And I think if we all just knew Jesus and allowed him to transform our lives Everything would be different. And so this burning desire happens inside of me. I want people to know what I have. I want people to experience the joy that I have every day. When my life sucks, when there are things going on that are terrible and I'm frustrated and I'm discouraged, you know what? I still have peace. I still have joy. And that is unexplainable except through Jesus. I want people to know that. And when I get close to Jesus, when I spend time with him, when I allow the Holy Spirit to begin working inside of me, when I welcome it rather than I'm always kind of resisting, when I walk with an open hand versus a closed fist, what I find is that a desire to proclaim the name of Jesus is greater within me. You see, miracles are secondary to the focus of Jesus. I mean, we don't talk a lot about miracles in America, probably because they don't happen very often. And a lot of that is, there's a lot of, a variety of reasons, but some of it is due to the lack of, lack of expectation or lack of desire in our, in our nation. But some of it is, is that what we see in the book of Acts is that miracles are accompanied by the proclamation of the name of Jesus. When you stand up and you say, this man that you think is dead is alive, and you pray for the sick, the Bible says they will be healed. Now, it's not a magic formula, and I, I'm, I, you know, I, I don't think anybody has the best answer about why sometimes it, it happens and other times it doesn't. 
But what I have seen is that when we are obedient to proclaiming Jesus, and I'm not talking about having great conversations, something that the Lord has really been challenging me with is it's not enough to just have good conversations with people. We have to tell them about Jesus. And when we do, and we step out in faith, that's when miracles begin to take place. And it's not just miracles of the supernatural, like a healing. It could be, like I said, a word of knowledge, or it could even be something like, I'm going to pray for your finances, and I believe that God is going to send you something this week. I don't know what it is. You do it under the power of the Holy Spirit. But the point is, is that we are to declare who he is. Miracles declare who he is. So we're not out there trying to be magicians. We're not out there trying to be fortune tellers. We are people who are proclaiming the name of Jesus. And when we proclaim him and him alone, the Holy Spirit promises to use us in powerful ways. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to do his job. And for a long time, I think, in in America in general, myself included, I feel like we try to to preach with, with good messages. We want to have good videos. We want to have good lights. We want to create good environments. And those are all good things. And we do them to eliminate barriers and blockades to Jesus, right? We want clear paths. But to be honest with you, the church for years has operated without sound systems, has operated without video. They have preached the name of Jesus and lives have changed. When you proclaim him, when we become a life of proclamation by the Holy Spirit, we will see things happen in our lives. So we will become people of proof. We will live a life of power. We will live a life of partnership, a life of proclamation. And finally, the Holy Spirit creates in us a desire to be a, have a life of people. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 42. This is Jesus again. I love it. I mean, everything we do points back to him, right? Mark chapter 1. It says, a man with leprosy came. If you don't know what leprosy is, because we don't see it in, anymore in our day, leprosy was a flesh-eating skin disease where your, your, your flesh would actually begin to fall off. You would get sores all over your body. People's noses would fall off. Like, they were pretty hideous to look at, okay? And they were actually having to live outside of the city. According to, to the law of Moses in the Jewish religion, they could not even be present. They had, if they were near human beings, they had to walk in with like a bell and they would have to say, unclean, unclean. They, they had to announce that they were coming. But interestingly enough, the lepers seemed to find their way to Jesus a lot. In verse 40, it says, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus. I feel like there must have been people like on the, on the peripheral trying to keep these guys away you know, like bodyguards or something. And he says he was begging to be healed. Could you imagine what kind of a life that would be like to have such a disease and to be an outcast, to be isolated, to be away from everyone, the loneliness, that identity, that person's identity is nothing. He says, if you're willing, you can heal me and you can make me clean. Do you see the faith? And what does Jesus do? Verse 41, I love this. Moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. Touched him physically with his hand. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. The word right here for compassion, moved with compassion, it it, uh, points to an idea of, of the Greek word for like your guts, almost like your bowels, like, like, when this man came and knelt down in front of Jesus, please heal me. Can you imagine the scene? And Jesus looked at him and was moved in such a way in his heart that he could not do anything else. Like, like his heart broke for him. It was as if, it was as if the, like someone took Jesus' heart in his hand and squeezed it. He felt a tightening in his, in his stomach, in his guts. He was moved with compassion. 
and he healed this man. And what we see about the Holy Spirit is that God cares about people. And when we stir up the Holy Spirit inside of us, not only do we become people of power, do we become people of proof, become people who partner with God in everyday life, people who share the name of Jesus, but something happens in our minds and in our hearts. We no longer care so much about all the other things that, that hold us. When we see people who are broken and hurting, something moves deep within us. And we are moved to do something about it. When we see someone who's hurting, someone who's broken, the Holy Spirit says, I care about them. I love them. I was sent for them too. Oh, and it just breaks my heart. And I pray for that. I say, God, in my personal time, I say, God, break my heart like, like yours does. Help me to see people like you do. That comes from the Holy Spirit inside of me. Because if I'm not praying, if I'm not spending time with God, I know what my life is like. You do too. When you're not spending time in the presence of God, maybe you've missed church for a month or so, and you're not doing things like you know you could be to connect with God, what happens? When I see the person on the street, I ignore them. I don't really think about them. I can easily move beyond them. My heart becomes hard. My mind moves to things that I'm worrying about or I'm thinking about. I think everyone in the room understands that. But every time we get close to Jesus, every time we let his spirit do something inside of us, we become like him and we become compassionate people. He is sending us to reach those people. We will become life of people. We go because God loves people. And as we stir up the Holy Spirit, his heart for people will grow inside of us. We will be moved with compassion. Then, then we will give our time. Then we will give our energy. Then we will give our resources. As we are moved with compassion, as we stir up the spirit of God within us, we will become a life of people, not about stuff, not about things, not about what we've got going on. We will include other people because that's the heart of God. So what does this all say to us today? What is, the, what is the, the point of this? As I try to tie it all together, as I look and we've studied throughout this entire month about the Holy Spirit, clearly God is not calling us to be weirdos. He is not calling us to be crazy people. He's not calling us to stop liking the music that we like. He's not calling us to start acting like a different person or dressing a different way. What he is saying is, will you welcome me? Will you welcome me into your life? And when you do, what happens? And this is what I believe. The big idea is for today. If you're taking notes, write this down. When stirred up, the Holy Spirit empowers us to become more than we could ever be on our own. When we stir up the Spirit of God in our lives, we become more than we could ever be on our own. Remember what I said, none of this is possible. We cannot reach people. We cannot have the life change that we want in our lives. We cannot see other people be healed. We cannot see them uh, find the hope that we want them to have without the power of God operating within us. And when you choose to stir up the Holy Spirit in your life, you will become a catalyst for God to move in your circles. That's what I think I think is the part that we miss the most. When we think about Jesus, we want the, I want to know Jesus, and then we kind of stop there a lot of the times with people. We are a part of the greatest rescue mission ever. 
And every time we see God move, he uses another person to do something. He always wants to include. God is an inclusive God. He is a loving God. He wants to use me and you because we're the greatest proof of his hand, of his work. I mean, God could appear in the sky and say, I am the Lord. Follow me. And people would go, eh, I'm good, and walk away. But when I know a friend, and I'm having coffee with them, and I sit down and I say, can I tell you about how my life has been changed because of Jesus? They might be like, eh, I don't really know. But they'll listen because they're your friend. And when we tell them what God has done in our lives, particularly in dramatic ways at times, that becomes a life of proof to them. They see something that is beyond what they think what they saw in their own faith and they begin to crave it. The Holy Spirit begins to work in that space. All we're saying here is if we would allow the Spirit of God to, to expand into our lives, to fill us up, he will begin to reveal his nature and his effects and the way that he operates and, and he will always partner with us to reach the lost. When you open your heart to receive all that God has for you, you'll see the world differently. Some of the things that you've been holding on to will not be important to you anymore. When you allow the Spirit of God to speak to you, you'll find that the things that you once thought were the most important things really don't matter that much. He'll reprioritize. The Holy Spirit will empower you to make changes that you desire for your life. Some of you have been in this room all this month and you've been thinking, there are things that I want for my life and I just don't ever seem to be able to get them. When you live a Holy Spirit-empowered life, he changes the way you behave, the way you think, and you will see that he will guide you. And then you look back one day and you'll see, wow, the dreams that God put in my heart, he makes them a reality. It was not under my power, not under my strength. He will unleash you into a God-designed destiny. And you are invited to live an adventure with the Holy Spirit. Do you want that life? Do you want it? Do you, have you heard this, this month and you said, I see it, but there is a time and a place where we have to say, I want what you have for me, God. Some of it, I'm not sure what I think, or I'm, I'm nervous and I'm kind of uncomfortable, but you know what? I think when we, when we lay ourselves bare before a God, I think he is gentle with us. I think that he loves us and wants us to grow I think he will speak to us in the way that we need to hear it. Imagine what it would be like in our communities if we became people that welcomed the Holy Spirit. Imagine if all of us in all the places that we live in our neighborhoods and the various places around Pittsburgh, imagine what would happen in our communities if each one of us began to welcome the Spirit of God. What would it be like if we proclaimed the name of Jesus on the streets, whether we're giving coffee to people or whether God tells you to just stand up on the bus one day and begin saying something? What would happen if we proclaimed the name of Jesus and then we stepped out in faith and we prayed and someone was healed? What would happen to those people? What would, what would happen to the empty chairs in this room? How many people would come to Jesus if we allowed ourselves to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in everyday situations. How many people would come to know Jesus? You know, I see a church that is hungry to reach this city for God. I have seen that for a couple of years. That is the focus of our church. We want people to know Jesus. We want them to experience that. And you know what I think that God is saying to me today? I wrote this down. What I believe God is saying to us is that he wants that too. And that he wants to give us the equipment and the tools that are necessary to make it happen. We cannot do it on our own. He wants to give it to us. And we just have to choose to ask and receive them. 
Would you stand with me and close your eyes? When stirred up, the Holy Spirit empowers us to become more than we could ever be on our own. I'm going to ask you two questions. What is God saying to you today? What is he speaking to you? What has he been saying to you all month? Remember we said the life of partnership. It begins by listening, quieting your mind, quieting your heart and listening. You'll feel a sense of prompting or a a weight or something. It'll be different maybe for every person, but you'll know it. And as we begin to listen, we'll understand and hear his voice clearer as we practice it. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. As we spend time with him, as we allow him to speak, we'll hear. But what has he been saying to you? I believe for most of you that God has probably been saying the same thing throughout the month. And then maybe that's how you'll know. For some of you, you'll say, man, every week I've heard kind of the same thing. I've felt this thing. And whatever that might be, pinpoint it. The second question is, what are you going to do about it? What step can you take today? What is it that God wants to do in your life? What is he wanting to say? What is he calling you to? What step of faith, what act of obedience can you take today? Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you have called us to something greater. I thank you that you did not just leave us here alone. That you didn't just say, okay, you're done, now I'm done, now I'm going to leave, and you just kind of figure it all out. Thank you that you sent your spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, living within us to change us, to make us more like you, to give us hope and breakthrough and healing in our lives. We have heard you speak to us this month, God. We have heard you speak, and now we want to obey. Would you, would you show us what to do, each of us, small steps to big ones? We want to be obedient to you, Holy Spirit. We love you and we thank you. Help us to live a fueled life. Help us to stir up the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we would be able to live a life, a life of proof, a life of power, a life of partnership with you, a life of proclamation of the name of Jesus and a life that is moved with compassion for people. We give ourselves to you and we thank you that on this place in the journey that you give us grace for every step. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you want to have a seat real quick, I just want to move through a couple quick next steps for you before we get out of here today. If you are taking notes today, how can I experience this in my life? What can I do to experience this? I would say stir up the Holy Spirit by asking him to empower you. You have to take a step. At some point, you got to just walk forward and say, I want I want what you have. I don't know everything that what that means. And it's okay to not know everything. It's okay to live in that space. We are guided by God's word. Anything that you feel or sense or see from anybody else that doesn't match up with God's word is, is garbage. We throw it out. So, but you have to begin by stirring it up and asking him to empower you. How can I live that life where God wants to use me in ways that I can't do on my own? We have to say, okay, God, I want you to empower me. I want to be open to that. How can I explore it further? For some of you, you need to say, I, I just want to look at this more. I want to learn more. I want my, my head and my heart to align here. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. We see in Luke chapter 24 and 49, we see Jesus again talking about the Holy Spirit. All of this, everything that I have said today is rooted in Scripture. In John 14, chapter 12, I didn't want you to think that I'm only looking at the book of Acts. It's all over the New Testament. It's all over the New Testament. Read those verses of scripture. 
meditate on those words of scripture. Pray about those words of scripture. Call me up. Let's get coffee and talk about those words of scripture. If you're confused or you've got questions. And how can we express this? I think this is the the pattern we see is that we want to receive. We want to listen and we want to act. We need to receive what God wants to say to us, what he wants to do with us. We listen to it. We hear it. We position our ears to hear it. We come expectantly to church. When we come to the sacred assembly, we come ready to receive from God. We listen to him. We process that. And then we act. We will only see these things happen in our lives if we begin to act. And so I want to close today by just inviting you once again to our sacred assembly on Tuesday. If you want what I've been talking about, what we've been exploring all month long, there will be an opportunity for you to step into that, to receive that. Among other things that the service, I believe that God is going to speak to us in such a powerful, powerful way that for each one of us, it will be for our church, but God will speak individually to each of us for this year. I'm so excited for it. I've been fasting and we've been praying. Come on Tuesday. All right, stay with me and we'll just close in prayer and we'll be done for the night, for the day. Praise you, God. You are good. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that... Gosh, like we are human beings, but that we can know the divine God, the one who created the earth and the heavens and the universe. It is huge. It is mast, like matchless. Thank you that you know us, that you know my name. I want to give you my life and I want everything you've got for me. May that be the prayer of every person in this room. May God bless every person in this room as they follow Jesus, as they search after him and his ways. May they trust him. May they trust God that he will add everything that they need in their lives. I pray that blessing over every one of you now, that as you seek first God and his kingdom, that everything will be added unto you. God, we follow you. We love you. Thank you for today. We give you our hearts. We give you our lives. Use us this week. We are excited for what you're going to do in our lives. Bring us together safely on Tuesday. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.